You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Kiss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? So as the meme has said, it's been a long year, but we've gotten through January. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how, how are you doing this, this week, Richard? I'm um, doing well, doing very well. Just, uh, you know, keeping busy and, uh, just doing, doing the old, same old, same old stuff, you know? I mean, that's the best that we can do, I guess. Right. Uh, what about you? How has January been, uh, treating you so far, Mitch? You know, uh, January was pretty full. I mean, we tried to do a lot of stuff especially uh you know geek elite wise we we changed to geek elite media as from geek elite radio and you know trying to expand more do more things so all kinds of stuff happening uh you know just staying busy i guess nice very nice um but we like to talk about movies here so in this yeah. month of january that just passed because we're in February now. What have uh, what have you gotten to watch? It's honestly, first off, it's honestly crazy to even think that we are already currently in in February. Right, like, that's <laughs> already ridiculous. And uh, the Super Bowl just uh, sort of kind of was a thing that I guess happened uh, over the weekend. Um, obviously, for people that watched it, uh, I, I think they would agree it was something that happened. Um, it definitely happened. And, and you know, one yeah. of the one of the things that I always look forward to during the Super Bowl is uh, commercials or more importantly, trailers. And we got we got a, a handful of trailers. I felt like we didn't get that many, though. The only one I heard anything about was the teaser for Endgame. That was literally the only thing that I, I heard. Well, we got a teaser for Endgame. We got a Captain Marvel a uh, new Captain Marvel. We got uh, Us from Jordan Peele, which I, I think actually looked really good. Um, we got a couple teasers from Guillermo del Toro's uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which looks freaky as fuck. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and, oh, we got the Hobbs and Shaw uh, trailer, which... I'm all on board for it's it's crazy ridiculous over the top even more so than usual Fast and the Furious and uh, I'm there I mean Idris we, Elba is literally playing a supervillain like a comic book supervillain exactly <laughs> I saw the trailer and I was just like oh my gosh are they gonna start calling him the Summer Soldier you know since we've got the Winter Soldier <laughs> now we've got the Summer Soldier like I I don't know. I, I'm going to watch it because it's The Rock, it's Jason Statham, and it's Edris Elba, Like, and I think that all of them are fantastic and wonderful, right? 
Yes. But dear Lord, where on earth are we going with this franchise? Like this is so far beyond like the realm of ridiculous now. I mean, we've gone from flying cars to potentially a flying Idris Elba. Well, you know, that's just that's just the way it has to be. And uh, I'm I'm all on board. For sure. <laughs> what else? What else did uh, I'm gonna put this pen down before I weirdly keep clicking it during the, the stream here? Um, what What else was there? So in game, oh. uh, Sean Hobbs. Yeah, uh, uh, Hobbs Guillermo and Shaw. Project. Yeah, there was uh, the Toy Story Four Super Bowl trailer, which uh, mm-hmm. uh, featured or at least put a spotlight on uh, Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key's character from the movie that they're gonna be. Uh, uh, Voicing, and then there's also Jordan Peele's uh, CBS All Access Twilight Zone show that they had the trailer for. So he's going to be he's the producer for the show, and he's also going to be the host of the show, just like uh, Roddenberry was back in the day. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. Like other than that, trailer wise, I don't. I didn't see. There was Hannah. Do you remember that movie Hannah with Saoirse Ronan back in the day? Yes, I do. They have. They she had. There's a TV show now. It's going to be on Amazon. What? Yeah. So uh, Joel Kinnaman is going to be in the show as a as her trainer, which I think Eric Bana was that character in the other one, or in in the movie. Oh, and Alita Battle Angel. There's a new trailer for that. Okay, that let, looks intriguing. Let me ask you about this because I keep hearing, uh, you know, mixed things from people, and I think you, as a fan of Robert Rodriguez, how do you feel about this movie? I, mean, I definitely will watch just about anything that Rodriguez does. I think he always has like a kind of like an interesting and unique uh, spin on everything, and I, I don't really know a lot about the original um, manga. In a, yeah, the intellectual property that's based off of, but the concept seems pretty cool. Uh, it's it's a very interesting effect, and in, in that some of it is is real, and some of it is like CGI'd character. Like it's kind of like a culmination of like an animated character on top of like a human character, which is uh, pretty interesting. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to watch it. Um, but I mean, I don't know a lot about it other than it looks cool and the story seems interesting. And Christoph Waltz is in it. I mean, he's yeah. awesome. That's uh, awesome. Uh, oh man, Mahershala Ali is in it. Jennifer Connelly. Uh, I mean, those are all great actors. So I think we've got a pretty solid cast. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely interested and, and excited to see it. Yeah, I, I am also excited to see it. Just. Uh, I, I know it seems like a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but some people have been saying, you know, it doesn't look good or it's not good. And they, I think they just had their press screenings this past weekend as well for it. So, uh, I, or at least the embargo was lifted on it. Yeah, because I think it comes out on Valentine's Day. I think it comes out on the 14th. Yeah, it does. It comes out on the 14th, Valentine's Day. So, yeah. That's uh, it's it's something I'm looking forward to. I think it would definitely. It's gonna in this January slump that we had. I mean, because we didn't. I mean, we saw. I saw Glass, which I enjoyed, uh, and I think I talked about that last time we were on. I'm yeah, you sure. touched on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really hasn't been anything in the movie theater since since Glass came out. So uh, something coming out would be pretty. Co- something that I'd be. I'm gonna be interested in going to see in the theater is gonna be pretty cool. 
Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, too, because uh, January typically is the pretty dry month for film, because I, I think it was, um, oh, what was it, American Sniper or whatever that came out in January and broke, like, a ton of, like, records and stuff, and uh, everyone was kind of surprised by it, but then it was like, well, there's usually not a lot in January right. anyway, so... Right makes sense it's the same thing that like deadpool did and uh then eventually black panther did for february because usually there's nothing mm -hmm. in february either other than yeah. like romantic comedies yep sorry got the yawns man no oh, i i know that all too well don't worry about it oh um but uh where anything else was in intriguing to you off of those trailers um, I, you know, I, it's funny because I'm, this is going to, this is going to sound like I'm probably going to have people calling for my geek card. I'm, I don't know. I want to watch Endgame, but I'm, I'm nowhere near the level of hype and excitement that everyone else seems to be. I, I honestly, I, I found that Infinity War was, and again, I've, I've said this repeatedly. So, I mean, I think anybody that's been a fairly uh, long, short term listener, I don't know, a listener for a while, I guess, um, is going to know that like I've fully acknowledged that I am my own worst enemy when it comes to watching uh, Infinity War. But, I, you know, I don't know. It's just fascinating because it's like Infinity War is going to happen. And then I guess um, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is supposed to take place moments after uh, Endgame wraps up. And yet no one in the in the world seems to be the least bit concerned about anything really happening. And it's just, it, I don't know, it just seems kind of weird with me. It seems almost like they're going to use some sort of, like, you know, ex machina thing where, like, everyone comes back and their memories are erased of the catastrophic events, except for maybe, like, a handful of people or whatever. And it's like, I hope that doesn't happen, but, like, I don't I don't know. I just, um, I, I want to watch it. I, I hope they do something really cool, but I feel like I'm going to be my own worst enemy with that film as well, which that's all on me. But uh, the the Guillermo del Toro project uh, sounds pretty interesting because I remember kind of reading, it's based off that like book, which is like a collection of like ghost stories and folklore and things like that, that I think almost all of us read or had read to us as like children. And there's like, you know, some really weird stuff in that. And and I genuinely like what Guillermo does. Same with Rodriguez and uh, and Battle Angel. I think that's going to be exciting. But uh, and I'm going to go watch uh, Shobbs and Haw. I mean, who, or I can't even talk Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> and, you know, it looks ridiculous. It looks ludicrous, but it, at least it also does not look like it's taking itself serious at all, which I kind of feel like that's where they have to be now. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what else 2019 is going to bring us. I hope there's some some awesome sleeper hits that nobody's really uh, anticipating or knows about and that kind of come out of nowhere and, and catch me off guard. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, and I, uh, I've already decided that I wasn't after the first in-game trailer. I wasn't gonna watch anymore. So I saw the trailer come on, and I, I made a point not to pay attention to it. Like I didn't turn change the channel or anything because there were other people watching and yeah. stuff like that. So uh, you know, I've made it a point not to watch any more trailers, uh, even though they've, I, they kind of loosely came out and said that they're not going to show any any footage past the first 20 minutes of the movie which is i think is awesome it's something i've been saying they should be doing for all movies cuz mm -hmm. just don't give such shit away but um i i know how movies have to be <laughs> um and yeah the whole spider-man 
far from home uh, is definitely going to be a challenge because how do you how do you advertise that movie um, when it's it's so so much Spider-Man is so much tied up into the events of Endgame and I think the biggest problem with that is that uh, you have um, Sony is the one that's in charge of the advertising for that movie as opposed to Disney Marvel Studios you know what I mean mm-hmm. so they're the ones that are they're like well we have to advertise the hell out of this movie because it's it's our butts on the line for making money, but I mean, not really. You know, it's going to make money, especially if it's going to have be moments right after in what happens in Endgame. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, you're definitely right. They're 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 gonna. It, it there's not that many. There doesn't seem to be that much people like affected by what should have just happened in um in game. But we'll see. We'll see when we get to that point. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I hope that they can, uh, you know, I hope they can wheel me back in. You know, I at this point, I feel like I've liked the the standalone properties so much more than these like mega events that they've been working up to for 10 years. And I just I don't think they've for me, I don't think they delivered what I was wanting from them, which is, you know, it's OK. They did well, you know. <laughs> well, I I am on the other side of the spectrum then because I they, it's given me exactly what i wanted and then some and i think that's but but i i want to say i think that's really good though like i think that's actually better because quite frankly like you're a huge fan of the comics which arguably when it comes to kind of like the big two um i don't really have a lot of of investment in their properties so i i think that it is worth mentioning that you know, you're a huge comic book fan and for you it's delivering. So I feel like that's a win for comic book people. And I feel like that's what it should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. I get you. I definitely get you. Uh, but you did say you, you, you finally got around to watching something, something that you wanted to talk about. I did. Yeah. So, uh, this movie came out last year and I remember seeing the trailer for it and being completely like, Oh my gosh, like, what is this? What is happening? And it was from the writer director, uh, Alex Garland, who, uh, listeners might recognize his name from the film ex machina. Right. Um, which actually came out in uh, 2014. He was also the writer on, uh, tw- uh, or one of the writers. I don't remember if he was the main writer, and I think he was, but on 20 days, 28 Days Later. Um, and so the thing with an, uh, Annihilation that was interesting is it, it looked like science fiction, but I, I didn't really quite anticipate it to be an unsettling horror film. Um <laughs> which is kind of what it it is like it's definitely a a science fiction movie um but there are some things in this film that i personally don't think i have ever seen in any other film and that quite frankly really just make you feel very uh uncomfortable and 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 very it's very frightening uh which which is pretty good because i i oftentimes don't really ever feel that way watching any type of movie um but the other thing that's pretty fascinating is uh, this movie is apparently based on a trilogy of books um with the same name or at least the first one had the same name annihilation is written by jeff vandemer and um 
I guess it 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 kind of okay. So this is kind of the base premise of it is is the film starts off. We're in uh, we're in like southern Florida, uh, and this meteorite or or something is traveling through space at the beginning of the movie, and it crashes down into this lighthouse that's off on the coast of uh, Florida. And uh, I guess the writer grew up there. He he was I guess heavily inspired by the St. Mark's National Wildlife Refuge. Um, I guess he would go there pretty frequently and uh, he kind of like based the book off that. But uh, so this this alien organism or weapon or whatever you want to call it basically crashes there and it creates this this ever growing gelatinous blob uh, that they call the shimmer. And uh, Natalie Portman is in this film. She's kind of the main, you know, she's the protagonist of the film. And uh, long so, like I don't want to give too much away because I, I I think that people should watch this. But like she eventually goes into the Shimmer with uh, a group of other you know uh, scientists, and and they're kind of trying to figure out what's going on. Um, it, I don't know. It's a really good movie. It, it you can at least to me it does feel like it was pretty heavily based off of a novel. Like there's a lot of like little details. Uh, that are in there that aren't quite really ever delved into completely. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think anytime you have a book to film adaptation, that kind of always ends up being like the thing, you know? Um, and I, I don't know. There's also, I guess, this thing that I was reading that uh, there was a producer that was involved with the film when they were doing it. And he said something to the effect of, I'm just really concerned that the average moviegoer is not going to be intelligent enough to understand what's happening. Um, so it's if, if you don't like watching movies that you want to think about or kind of like have conversations about, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Uh, but if you are looking for something that's completely different than anything you've probably seen lately, um, that has really great performances, that offers some very unsettling visuals, um, I would definitely say give it a give it a watch, especially because it's on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, um, you can watch it essentially for for part of your subscription, so kind of for free. Um, but yeah, like I I don't have you seen this? Oh yeah, I saw it when it was in the theater, and I know that was one of the big um, controversies with it was that it was released in the United States in theaters, but outside of the United States, and then. A couple months after it was in theaters, it was on Netflix. Um, it was kind of a, a Netflix original sort of kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, Alex Garland was very upset about that because when he made the movie, he wasn't making it for, quote unquote, the small screen. He was making it for the big screen. So he didn't like the fact that uh, when it opened in the States in theaters, it also opened um, in foreign countries on netflix like you, mm -hmm. you didn't think it should have been that way um i would say and not to you know pump my own chain or i guess pull my own no not that's not right uh toot your own horn toot my own horn that's what it says uh i would say that i'm a little bit above average the average uh movie goer and it, i would say that i also didn't get this movie um not that I didn't like it. I did think it was interesting and it definitely is starts the, the conversation going because there is a lot of questions I had at the end of this movie. Uh, but 
it do just, you do you want to do like a quick spoiler section and have like a conversation? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, okay. Also, this movie, I, I feel like it's it was out for a year already. So, <laughs> yeah, it came out last year. I, I don't know exactly what uh, think, what day. I it believe was it was last March year? last year. That could very well be. So it's almost a full year old. But yeah, if anybody doesn't want to know exactly what happens in the movie, go ahead and skip forward. But yeah, because we're going to spoil Annihilation. But uh, there are definitely different. Like one, there are a lot of the characters, side characters in this this movie. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Gina Rodriguez's character, uh, mm-hmm. Anya Thornton. I wish there was a lot more of her, but there's just not. Uh, same with Tessa Thompson's character, which comes in at the you know she's in she's there in the movie the whole time, but she comes in at the very last part of her part and kind of mm-hmm. gives you some explanation of stuff, and that kind of sucks. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee does or, yeah does does an amazing job uh, as well, and and Natalie Portman is great, but she's your main character, and I feel like that character just doesn't give enough of what we're supposed to be watching like you get this whole backstory of you know what was going on in her life before this point of going into the shimmer and Mm -hmm. why she feels a certain way and how she was interacting with her husband played by oscar isaacs and then the guy that she was cheating on her husband with Mm -hmm. uh but then you also get to the end part Am I supposed to take into account that everything she's telling Benedict Wong's character is false because it's an unreliable narrator kind of thing going on? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, there's like things like uh, you see, uh, was it Gina Rodriguez's tattoo on Natalie Portman's forearm at the end of the movie? So what is that supposed I to have mean? A, I have a theory about all of this, right? Okay. So she talks uh, a little bit at the beginning of the movie about cancer cells and stuff like that. We know that uh, the psychologist, I can't for the life of me remember the actress's name right now. She was in like the Hudsucker proxy. Um, Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. So she tells her before they go in that she has cancer. Okay. Right. Later on during the story, there's the the other physicist who's telling her that it's a prism and that it's refracting all of the DNA and everything that's inside of it. So what I think happens is um, as soon as they walk into the shimmer, we get the flashback of her kind of like cheating on her husband. Right. And so I think at that point, there's kind of like this whole like this this whole thing starts like showing the the opposites of kind of like the characters up until this point right i think what happens though is from the time that she actually wakes up in the tent i think that is actually a new duplicate of the entirety of the group and so i think what happens is that's why at that particular point you know, she has the tattoo of the other character, and now it would make sense that they kind of all have cancer um, because uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character had that. And so I, I feel like when you get to the very end of the movie, like the the one that actually gets out isn't even the real one. Like I think the real one's already dead at that point. Oh yeah. And has already been replicated at least maybe once, maybe multiple times at this point between that group that that group's been like replicating over the course of a number of days. Um, And I think that's what kind of uh, alludes to the ending where like, you know, it, 
shows her eyes kind of light up very Michael Jackson's thriller esque type of ending there where you're like, well, is he a werewolf or is, is that all like in his head? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And then obviously you have, uh, Oscar Isaac's character or the duplicate of Oscar Isaac's character also making it out. So now you have two of these, uh, alien beings that are now going to be on earth and, and stuff like that. Um, you, I mean, yeah, you, they talk about how, or at least you're even shown, like how things inside the Shimmer are taking on the DNA properties of other things. You have people mm-hmm. got turned into trees, like literal tr- like trees in the shape of people as yep. they were walking around. They were flash changed. You have the crocodile bear wolf lizard thing that uh, attacks them. I mean, it, it mimics their voices so that it can... Uh, get people to come out to it so he can kill more um the there was uh there was like other animals that were you know you know in in be- oh the what was it the the deer had antlers that were made of flowers and stuff like mm-hmm. that like it 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 definitely makes sense what you're saying because it's it's taking the 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 properties of whatever's inside the shimmer and then just making all the stuff have the same properties yeah, and I think I think if I remember correctly, after she gets attacked, like by after they get attacked by the alligator, it cuts to that arm that doesn't have the tattoo on it, and there's a bruise. There's like the starting of a bruise, and she's like, "Oh, I got a bruise," and it's like where that tattoo is. So I I, I actually do take that back. I guess she is slowly developing yeah. like the DNA from the other ones as it is happening, but I do still think that they are new. Uh, doppelganger. I don't know what to call them. Like, I don't think they're technically clones at that point, but maybe clones, doppelgangers, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, and then that. Uh, my God, the scene where okay, so there's a scene where this bear comes and just rips this lady out of the the little base camp thing that they're staying in. And uh, the next time they encounter the bear, though, it is probably one of the most terrifying things <laughs> I think I've seen in a film. Um, and they do it so well. Like, the, it's like they're tied up because of other things that are happening in the story. And there's this shadow of the entryway of the house, which that house also strikingly seems a lot like a, a representation of Lena's house. Like, it looks very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, the bear is like coming in there and it it's really hard to describe this, but it's almost as if like the face has rotted off and it's like a bear's skull. But then at, instead of just having like a bear howl or scream or whatever you want to call it, um, it, it has that. But it also has the terrifying screaming sounds of the woman in the in a few scenes before that that it killed screaming for help. And it is the most unsettling thing that I think I have seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah, no, exactly. And then when you finally get to the fallout area of where the thing that fell from the sky landed, the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. It wasn't a lighthouse, but yeah, it you know it goes through an even more trippy like function scene where you know uh, first we get to see Oscar Isaac's character deal with it, and then mm-hmm. Natalie Portman's character deal with it, and it goes into this weird dance choreography uh, movement thing, and then it becomes physical and violent and all kinds of stuff. Like, it's 
the movie itself for me, like, like it was beautiful to look at. Don't get me wrong. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it was really well acted. I just think that he left way too much open ended. I'm not saying I'm not one that that doesn't like movies that have that make you think because I do. I love movies that make you think. And I don't need. I don't believe that I need things to be spoon fed to me. But you need to have a little bit more. For me, you need. There needs to be a little bit more. Um, like this is what we were intending or hey this is what this meant kind of thing um if you if you watch his previous movie of ex machina uh i you know you have the you know you have uh, oscar isaac's character in there that explains a lot of things to you but then there's still a lot of stuff that's left to interpretation especially the ending to that movie so mm-hmm. i felt like that was a better ending for me in a better movie than this was because way too much is left unexplained if that makes sense no it it does and you know like i said to be fair i think a lot of that has to do with um the fact that this is based off of a book there is time constraints and then it's it's also based off of three books so i'm really curious and i i don't know if they're going to do it but i would be really curious to see what would happen if they do make another two films of this and what we might get out of it because i really do think that um, the overall concept is is extremely unique, and uh, I, I agree. I, I definitely think the intentions uh, are probably not as clear as as they could be. Um, but I also feel like that does kind of motivate me to want to watch it again, to kind of like go back and look for other clues and things that you know I potentially might have missed because I was just taking this journey the first time. Um, but but I do also you know that is one of the reasons i would have a, a difficult time suggesting this uh as a film that like everyone rush out and watch like i feel like it's it's a very uh specific movie goer that's gonna want to like seek this out um and i'm, I'm actually i really want to read the books now though i'm really curious to see how exactly it maybe compares to the film or what maybe additional information it it offers or how it's presented and and i i think it would be really interested from that standpoint to uh to see it the one thing i will say um from what i do know of the book the book is kind of told through uh like a field journal uh and so i'm really glad that the movie didn't take a found footage type of approach i know there's a couple of scenes in there where uh oscar isaac's character leaves some some video cards with some footage uh behind for whoever may come in after them which gives you know some information and stuff but the overall movie itself isn't shot that way and uh the other thing that i would just like to say is if you are someone that is interested in a film for uh production design i feel like this is a pretty good movie to watch because the 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 tree-shaped humans and um kind of the like i don't really know what to call it i guess like the fungus based barnacles that that kind of like grow out of these uh decaying organisms within inside of of the shimmer are quite amazing and i mean there's even some plants that had those on it and stuff like that there was a lot of times where i just like with, was thinking to myself i'm like my gosh like how much work did the art department have to do for some of this because it, it really is i think visually very unique from what you're used to seeing in, in, in films. Definitely. So how did you feel about this as a follow-up to uh, Ex Machina? Well, you know, um, it, it's difficult. Um, 
I think that Alex uh, Garland is a is a wonderful writer director. Um, you know, I think he also did the screenplay for Dread, which of course uh, you know got a little biased on that. Yeah, it was um, a great movie. He also yeah wrote the novel for the Beach, which is an amazing oh. uh, book. Yeah, that's interesting. I I did not know that. Um, but yeah, I I really do like him. I think it is difficult because uh, it, it's it almost kind of reminds me of like M Night Shyamalan, right? Like. He came out of the gate essentially with the sixth sense, and when you come out of the gate so strong and so quick, it, it can be very difficult to follow something else up. Uh, I I like Ex Machina better, but I I'm also infinitely more interested in uh, uh, you know artificial intelligence and robotics and things like that personally. Um, but I also am super interested in like aliens and there wasn't there wasn't really a lot in the it, like this movie, although has aliens, it's not really about the aliens, so to speak. Uh, I feel like if they made a second movie, that one kind of really would be more focused on it based on how this one ends. Um, but I, I really do want to see where he's going to go and what he's going to do, because I think he has a way uh, and this is going to sound mildly crazy because a lot of people would not uh, constitute these films as small films. However, Annihilation, I think the production budget was around $40 million, uh, And Ex Machina, I think, was around that or, or maybe even less. Um, but he always finds, like, really unique and, and interesting ways to take a concept and put it in a visual story and so i i really am excited to see uh okay so i, I just looking at it x machina had a budget of 15 million which uh that is that is remarkably small for major films like just so anybody listening knows like those are both very very low numbers for for films mm-hmm. um but you know I, I really am excited to see what he's gonna do next and what his next project might be. Um, and, you know, I think it's inspiring to see someone take a, a relatively small budget, uh, bring in some phenomenal talent and and really just turn a film on, on its head. I think it's a, a really great, uh, interesting uh, counter programming to what's going on with a, a lot of the mega budget, you know, comic book movies. And uh, I don't, I would say that, I mean, I don't know exactly how much money um, this movie has made so far. Um, obviously, it's not in the theaters anymore. I don't remember it making all that much, and I don't think it did as well um, critically as it was as they were hoping it to. So I don't know if they're, you're going to get a sequel uh, out of this. So it looks like, according to uh, this, uh, the gross domestic was thirty-two million of a budget of forty million. That's just domestic. I don't know what it might have done uh, overseas, or uh, I think even kind of what you were talking about. Like Netflix stepped in and I believe offered them a pretty sub- substantial amount of money uh, to pull this onto the Netflix uh, service. Uh, which is, of course, that is a number that we most likely will never know. So, I, yeah, I, I'm not holding my breath, but I do think it would be uh, interesting. And I don't know; it's it's difficult because I mean, with Netflix doing what they're doing, um, 
I'd say it's more possible that we would see it as a Netflix original than we would how this one kind of was. But again, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it's it's one you want to hold your breath about. But I mean, it is. Very, I, I I when I do hear people talking about it, it's 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 got that uh, cult classic, you know, sleeper hit kind of talk about it. So there there is that. So if if it if it does, then it does, and that's more power to them. Like hopefully, well, Alex Garland can get something made in the future. And I feel like. Um... I feel like Ex Machina was kind of that way too, though. Like, I, I feel like it was a great movie, but I don't really recall it being this huge box office success, despite the fact that it, it went on and I think it was like nominated for an Academy Award or whatever. Yeah, but at 15 um, million, you know, you, you oh, don't, yeah, have, to, you don't have to make a lot of money to for it to be a profit as opposed to 40 million. No, that that is also very, very true. And, you know, I, I like I said, I. I don't know if it made its money back, but uh, hopefully he can, you know, do some other stuff. Uh, I, one little piece of trivia that I saw on this was that uh, when they were filming this movie, it was in the studio that was just adjacent to um, the Last Jedi. Uh, so mm. Oscar Isaacs would often have to come over and film his parts for this movie during his lunch breaks, or you know, some type oh of break for God. Last Jedi. Yeah, so he was doing double duty those days, but obviously he was happy that's to do it. Pretty insane. Like that's that's I, I don't know. I think that's kind of amazing. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah, he's definitely an actor that's dedicated to his craft, so So I have taken on a challenge for the new year. I started on the 1st of January. Not that you have to start on the 1st of January, but I started on the 1st of January. Because I've been thinking about this for a couple years. Like I remember hearing about it, I want to say two, three years ago, from Doug Benson uh, attempting, or he did it. Uh, I know um, your friend Matt also attempted it, but fell off. Um, but it's the 365 movie challenge. And okay. essentially you're supposed to watch a movie a day. Um, I would assume the idea is to watch movies that you haven't seen, and I am trying to do that. Um, mostly is movies that I haven't seen. Uh, every once in a while, I'll watch something that I have seen just to, you know, have to to go back and rewatch it, kind of thing, or it's, it's something that struck my fancy or something like that. But uh, I started on the first, and the first movie I went. So I'm gonna. I'm, I kind of just want to go through the. I I kind of want to take one of our shows each month just so I can go through the movies that I watched that month just to uh, get your opinion and maybe uh, see what you think about them if you've seen them or not. Yeah. So I started off the year, I went and saw Vice in the uh, movie theater, which is the Christian Bale movie about Dick Cheney. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I we've talked about that one on the podcast already, so... You know that's pretty easy to go to go ahead with or to skip past, I should say. Um, I did I did I did like it, but it wasn't the greatest. Like I liked um, the Big Short a lot better. Okay. Uh, day two was uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. Now, nice. I have gone through what this will be as of recording this. This is day thirty five. Um, I would say probably. Out of the 35 days, 30 of those days is going to be movies from Netflix <laughs> because Netflix is easy. It has, you know, all it has uh, a wide library of uh, one original movies and then two just movies in general. So uh, I have been watching a lot of movies from Netflix. 
So do you do you have to watch like a movie every day, or can you technically watch like um, you know, like say it's a weekend or something, and you watch like two movies? Does that still count, or is it literally like you have to watch one a day for the challenge? I I mean I believe that I, I've I've seen heard other people bank them. Um, so as as to say, if you you know you're going to be doing something on Sunday so and you won't have time to watch a movie. You watch a second movie on Saturday so that you have two movies for each day. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to hold myself to not do something like that. Nice. But uh, if if it comes to be, which I sh- I'm, I'm assuming it will later down the line in the year when things get a little bit more hectic with traveling and you know maybe conventions and stuff like that, I'll try and bank some movies. Uh but as of right now, I'm trying to watch them one a day. Okay. So day two was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on uh, Netflix. It was the Netflix original. It's the Coen brothers writing a Western anthology. Six, I want to say six stories that um, uh, each have kind of their own moral and theme. Uh, maybe even connecting all six movies together eventually. Did we talk about this one on the podcast already? Uh, I think we did talk uh, about it. I because I remember I watched it like specifically for like the podcast. Okay, so yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure we did. We went through that. So, so there was that. Um, the next day was absolutely anything on Netflix, which is from I want to say 2015. When that movie came out, I, I'm not quite sure, but it was. I it caught my eye because it had Simon Pegg, and you know Simon Pegg is definitely one of my favorite actors at at the moment, uh, and it was. It wasn't. It didn't disappoint. I should say, it, mm-hmm. it was definitely interesting. It it's it's all about this. Uh, it's basically, these aliens uh, get this uh, signal from Earth saying, "Hey, we're here" and stuff like that. And so they come to Earth and they're going to destroy Earth. But first, they're going to put Earth through a test by giving one ordinary person, uh, inhabitant on Earth, the power to do anything they want. So Simon Pegg is this person. He basically has the ability to just make anything he wishes comes true, and uh, okay. when he when he like he'll 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 just say, "Hey, I want my boss to be nice to me," and all of a sudden his boss starts being nice to him. Hey, I want my dog to be able to talk, so then the dog starts to talk in the movie. And so funny, uh, interesting enough, it is Robin Williams' last movie that he ever acted in because he's the voice of the dog. Hmm. So it, it's a it's an interesting movie. It's it's definitely a comedy. Anybody that likes Simon Pegg should give it a try and uh, and watch it on on Netflix. Yeah, I would agree. I, I definitely think it's worth a watch, especially if you like westerns too, because it's uh, it well it's that was that uh, absolutely anything wasn't wasn't a western. Oh no no no! Sorry, I meant Buster Scruggs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, I didn't have it. I was I didn't want to cut you off because we were. You were going there. I didn't want to jump in, but yeah, I, I definitely think you should give Buster Scruggs a watch if, if you have Netflix. Yeah, definitely. Um, day four uh, was the moment was, oh, was me going to see for a second time Aquaman because uh, a friend of ours, Jason, had not seen it yet and he wanted me to go see it with him. I was definitely against giving this mo- this movie my money again, so Jason paid for the ticket. So I was like, all right, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> right and, and upon watching it a second time i still didn't like it <laughs> uh day five was the clapper which was an ed helms movie and i remember seeing the the trailer for this movie a while back and never seen it again 
It is a movie that's definitely interesting because I feel like when they were making this movie, they were making a drama, and mm-hmm. when they edited it together, someone in the studio or wherever was like, oh, this needs to be a comedy. So they cut it to make it a comedy, but it doesn't really work as a comedy. Um, if you like Ed Helms, give it a try. It's It seems like it might have been something different for him to try and make, but it doesn't live up to anything. Okay. Uh, let's see. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting to, to hear really. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Hmm. Day six was tremors. Uh, it it had gotten late and I was flipping through channels and I got to one of the stars channels and tremors was playing. I was like, yeah, I love this movie. I will watch this movie anytime, all the time. Right. Uh, So, so that was day seven or I'm sorry, day six. Uh, day seven was definitely a movie that made me think of you because it was oh. Netflix original The Saint, which is ah. I know that you like the Val Kilmer Saint movie from the nineties. I do. <laughs> this is nothing like that, so don't oh. go watch it. <laughs> oh, it was that's not good. It was definitely a movie that they were making in hopes of making a TV show out of it. So this was like a two-hour episode, pri- uh, pilot episode that they were going to hope to make it into a TV show, and I don't think it ever got made into a TV show. Hmm. So uh, yeah, there. Stay away from that one. Good to know. Day eight was the Polka King on Netflix. This stars um, Jack Black, and it's based off of a true story. And I really enjoyed this movie. Like the character Jack Black plays in this movie, um, I forget what the name of the character is, but he's the Polka King. Is so okay. is so charismatic and personable, and you just you're kind of pulling. I feel like you're pulling for the guy, even though he's not doing good things. He's not doing bad. He's not doing bad things in a malicious way. He's just trying to make ends meet, and he just happens to accidentally pull off a pyramid scheme kind of thing, uh, Ponzi scheme. That's what it is, not a pyramid scheme. But so. Uh, it was it was a really I thought it was a really good movie, and I like Jenny Slate who plays his wife in the movie. That, uh, yeah, I've been meaning to uh, to try to check that out too because I like Jack Black. I think he usually picks some pretty funny stuff and some interesting projects. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, day nine was opening night, which I once again found on Netflix. This is a movie I hadn't even heard of. Came out in 2016. Stars Topher Grace. Uh, Anne Heche, Tay Diggs, Alana Tal, Rob Riggle, Paul Shear, and J.C. Chazé, and it's it's the main star is Topher Grace, and he plays this uh, stage manager for a musical, one of those jukebox musicals on Broadway, and mm-hmm. he's he's got to keep everything moving along as it's the opening night of the play, and uh, you know shenanigans happen, but it was it's kind of a musical, but not really a musical in itself, not the play, but the actual movie. Because people do okay. just break out into song, and then Topher Grace kind of stops them, and he's like, "What are you doing? This isn't. People don't just break into song. It doesn't happen in real life." So, I thought it was <laughs> really funny, and I was it was a great delight to watch. Uh, anybody that likes uh, musicals or musical theater or anything like that should definitely give it a try. I will definitely be adding that to my list as well. That sounds very different. Uh, day 10 was The Overnight on Netflix. This is 
Adam Scott, Jason Schwartzman, Taylor Shinning, and Judy Gobich, which she's a European actress. I, I'm sorry, I'm butchering her name. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Jason Schwartzman, but I am a huge fan of Adam Scott, so that's why I kind of watch this movie. It's not my humor. It's definitely a movie that I was just like, uh, this is, I, I, as I'm watching it, it, it makes certain turns and decides to do certain things, and I was just like, ah, this is too much and it's it to me it was more jason's jason schwartzman comedy than anything else and it's just not something that i usually enjoy so uh if you're not a jason schwartzman fan don't watch it but if you are give it a try i was gonna say you're not uh, particularly a big fan of his no i'm not the, i mean i think the only thing that i really liked him in was scott pilgrim and you know it's uh, uh, he could it could have been someone else and i would have been fine too uh, Tuesday nights are kind of hard for me because there's a a local uh, event that I go to every Tuesday night. It's a uh, pub trivia thing. So I usually end up watching a movie after I get back from the night because, uh, you know, during the day I'm at work, go to that thing at night, and then the uh, I get home pretty late. So I watch a movie or if I'm going to watch a movie, I try and watch something that I already saw. So on Netflix has uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, which is one of my all-time favorite movies from my childhood. Uh, anybody that knows this movie knows this movie. Like they know the lines, they know you know the the cheesiness, but the 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 greatness of it. Um, Day Eleven was just was just pure joy as I sat there and watched this movie before I went to sleep. Nice. <laughs> Uh, day twelve was an interesting documentary. The first documentary on my my li- my journey so far. I've watched quite a few since, but um, it was it, it's called Raiders: The Story of the Greatest Fan Film Ever Made, and it's essentially it's about these this group of friends that when they were in high school started making a shot for shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and over I want to say six years they they made this movie but they couldn't get the one final scene of the if you remember in indiana jones and the Raiders of the lost ark when he's indiana is fighting the big like soldier dude in, in on the plane on the runway and then the dude eventually gets chopped up in the propellers oh my gosh and okay then the, yeah. and, then, and then the plane explodes well, that's uh, that's the scene that they couldn't film, so they got someone like now, which is what thirty years later, to finance them and give them money so that they can go film it, and now you're gonna have this whole thing. Like this document or this uh fan film that they made has made it its rounds around Hollywood. It's made its rounds around uh, uh, film festivals, and like one of the biggest um, uh proponents of it it was mm-hmm. uh i want to say harry knowles and uh eli roth eli roth was a huge fan of this thing when he saw it and he got it to, to other people to, to look at so uh it's an interesting documentary you should give it a watch if you like raiders of the lost ark or if you're in you're, you're a person that's into making movies like uh i i feel like the two of us are yeah uh Okay. I'm I still... thought you were going to say that the first documentary was the fire documentary. No, the fire documentary wasn't the first one, but the, I have I did watch both of those, and we talked about that last episode. So, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going through my social media history to find the movies. Okay. 
So actually, the next movie, the next day, that day thirteen was another documentary. Was it's called uh, the Bill Murray story, Stories: Life Lessons Learned from a Mythical Man on Netflix. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch this uh, documentary and you're a fan of Bill Murray's, you're doing yourself a disservice because it's all about how Bill will just do weird shit, and there's always these weird like folks folklore stories about Bill Murray just showing up at a house party and deciding to play drums or the <laughs> the um actually it's the the tambourine and uh you know he just he he or he goes to a, a party a house party and he just starts washing dishes for people or he's inside he's in your wedding pictures or uh he gets into a cab the cab driver says you know uh, you know, I usually play trombone or trumpet, but I don't, I don't have the time to practice. And Bill Murray makes him switch seats so that he drives the trumpeter around while he's practicing in the middle of the night, like kind of thing. It's filled with all these weird stories and it's just, it's just great. Like, it's really, really cool. Hmm. Uh, Dave, what was the name of that one again? It's called... It's called uh, the Bill Murray stories: Life Lessons Learned from a Mythical Man. Okay. Yeah. I love me some Bill Murray. Definitely got to put that on the list too. Uh, day fourteen. Sorry if this is gonna be going long, but day fourteen <laughs> is uh, a Netflix original called The Last Laugh with Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfuss. It's about Richard Dreyfuss plays this stand-up comedian who quit his stand-up career. Uh, at a very early age because he had a kid and he needed a more stable job whereas uh, Chevy Chase was his agent at the time and they lost track of each other until Chevy Chase gets put into an old po- old person's home by his daughter uh, or actually I think it's his granddaughter uh, and um, he meets Richard Dreyfuss' character again f- for the first time after all these years and then they go on the road again because Richard Dreyfuss is still funny enough to do the job and uh, not as funny as you would think it would be, but probably funny enough for you to be like, okay, okay I didn't waste my time. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, so we get to day 15, and this is the Hulu fire fraud uh, documentary, which I talked about in, you know, in our last podcast. And, I, dude, I, I liked this. I everything When I watched this one, I wanted to learn more about this whole thing. And uh, when what four days later when the netflix version dropped i watched that one and i still wanted to learn more like this is two documentaries about the same subject and i just wanted to learn more about it so you know you can find yourself in a real deep uh youtube uh hole rabbit hole by looking for looking up stuff about this hmm uh day 16 was my first time ever watching a dragon ball movie uh our friend and and other podcaster fellow podcaster daniel barroso really wanted me to go watch this movie with him it's it's the dragon ball super broly movie which has been really cleaning up in the box office too like it's it's a super popular movie in the theaters uh if you're a dragon ball person all this stuff really is important to you Whatever happens in this movie, to me, I have no frame of reference. I watched it and just got to see a uh, a fight scene that literally lasted an hour. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, uh, and I, I, I'm not going to say I didn't have a good time. It was definitely interesting. One of the things I really liked about it is that you can see the progression of the type of animation. Like, they start the movie off with the type of animation that the the original Dragon Ball show was. And every time they jump to a new 
or they jump to a new point in time where whatever that show would have been looking like at that time, if that makes sense, is what the animation in the movie looks like. So uh, essentially, as people power up, you know, the animation changes too. It gets more uh, CG looking and crisp and stuff like that. So I thought that was a real interesting way of telling the story too. That is crazy that there's like an hour long fight scene though. <laughs> well, I mean, this Broly character is apparently one of the, uh, you know, strongest there is in that universe. So it took, uh, Goku, which is all the, the most I know about Goku is that people on the internet are always being like, who would win between Goku and Superman? They're really evenly matched because they're super overpowered. So if this guy Broly is even more powered than Goku, then you gotta imagine it's gonna that fight scene is gonna take a long time. Right. Uh, let's see. Next was oh, day seventeen was rewatching Unbreakable because Glass was about to come out. So went back and watched that. Still love it. Still interesting. Uh, still my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, let's see. Still going, still going. Ah, we get to day 18, and that's the Fire, uh, fire, the Greatest Party That Never Happened documentary on Netflix, which we just talked about because of Fire Fraud. Also, good insight, and if anybody has watched this, the Netflix version of the, of the documentary, you know about the story that Andy tells, and that watching the documentary just for that story alone is 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 good enough is is the price of admission uh day 19 was glass so getting to watch glass as the culmination between unbreakable and split and uh i liked it not as much as i liked uh split or unbreakable but i still liked the movie a lot uh you could see where he tied the two stories together I still want to watch that. I've heard it got kind of like mixed reviews, but I, I really want to check it out. If you like the other two movies, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. Just 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 don't go into with too high expectations. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. Uh, day twenty was a Chris Evans Alice Eve movie and Chris Evans' first directorial movie or the first movie he directed directorial debut, I should say. It's it's a movie called Before We Go. And it's essentially, it's, it's uh, Chris Evans' character and Alice Eve's character wandering the streets of New York uh, for what for a night, and it's it's really good. I I felt great after watching that movie. It was uh, I I was really surprised. I guess is the best thing I should say. Uh, day twenty one. I O. This is a sci-fi movie on Netflix, uh, another Netflix original. It stars Anthony Mackie. Um, very simple story. The the day the Earth is is done. The people can't live on Earth anymore. You have to uh, go to one of I want to say Saturn's moons. Io is. It's either Saturn or Jupiter or something like that uh, to live. And uh, if you don't, you're gonna die. And Anthony Mackie's trying to get. Uh, Marguerite Qualley's character onto to a uh, spaceship to, or a rocket ship or whatever you want to call it to get to this planet and uh, I enjoyed it but it definitely left me wanting I guess if that's it kind of falls flat so you watched it 
I did. I did watch yeah. this. Uh, I forgot that I actually watched this until you said this right now. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't really care for like, I don't, I felt like they didn't really give a, a strong enough motivation for the protagonist to want to stay on earth. Like they kind of skirt around why she like wants to be there, but I never felt like it was truly compelling enough to combat someone's survival instincts especially her survival instincts after she's kind of found love twice. Right. Like, I I don't know. It was just very, uh, well, I guess the second time you could argue that she didn't really find love, that she was doing that strictly from like a standpoint of, of having a child. But I also feel like, uh, well, so then spoilers for that movie if you hadn't watched it yet, but I mean, uh, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like it was part of the experiment as well. Like this was her way of showing that this could work if she was able to give birth to a child on the planet and that planet would or that child would then have the 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 uh evolutionary skills to survive you know kind of thing right it would kind of have like an immunity to the new like toxins and stuff that had that had come about because she had been exposing herself to it like over and over and over again exactly but do you think that she actually did live because i kind of felt like that might have also just been a uh a fantasy ending kind of thing yeah, I mean, it, I think it could go either way. Uh, you know, I feel like it was literal, though, just based off of like, because I don't know, the movie's never really trying to be like Annihilation. Um, <laughs> you know, like it, it is pretty straightforward. And like, I, I don't know, it, it is good. It's not a bad movie per se, but it's also, like you said, if it wasn't on Netflix and I had paid to see it in the theater, I probably would have been a little let down because it, it does. I don't know. It does fall flat for whatever reason. Yeah, no, I, is, I agree with you completely. So it was it was a little difficult to uh, appreciate it in the end, but I, I did find some good in it. Like, I thought it looked great. I thought the direction was good. It just, the, yeah, you're right. The story falls flat. Yeah, and I mean, even the even some of the like acting was, was good at, at, at times. There was other times where it was kind of like, uh, you know, a little stiff or wooden um but yeah i don't know it just ultimately doesn't quite i i I think i saw somebody comparing it to uh the martian uh but without harder feeling uh essentially is kind of what i i think i heard somebody say and and i feel like that's a pretty fair assessment yeah yeah like even though the time clock on this movie is much shorter than the time clock on in the Martian. I felt like the urgency was there more in the Martian than it was in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Day 22 was, uh, I believe another Tuesday. So I went with another, uh, uh, classic that I really enjoyed from my childhood, 1991 college football movie, necessary roughness, uh, Scott Bakula, Kathy Ireland, Hector Lozondo and Robert Loggia and Jason Bateman, Sinbad, and uh, one of my favorite characters of all time that I wanted to be was Manu Manu or Manu Mana the Slender. You know, is a uh, he was he played the center in the movie, and it was just uh, uh, who I wanted to be because he ended up getting Kathy Island at the end of that movie. So there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um. Okay, so then we went to Day 23 was a movie that I hadn't seen, but everybody was talking about over the, I want to say the last three months. It was another Netflix original. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Necessary Roughness was on uh, HBO. Uh, 
So day 23 was uh, all the boys I've loved before on Netflix. Uh it was a cute little love story. Um, it went exactly where I thought it was. The girl accidentally has letters that she wrote about all the people that she loved sent out. And uh, one happens to be her older sister's boyfriend. And the other one happens to be a, a guy that she loved when she was younger. Uh, she tries to make the boyfriend of her older sister jealous because by fake dating the the other guy and she and the two of them end up falling in love with each other so not not the older boyfriend but or the boyfriend of the older sister but the one that she's fake dating and it just reminded me of the other movies that do the exact same thing because you know Mm -hmm. you put you put two people into a very romantic situation they are eventually going to fall in love with each other i suppose that's true I, i don't know if that's i guess that works right I I've just I feel like there, you, there's only so much that you can pretend. Eventually, you're gonna strike up feelings for each other. So, hmm. Uh, let's see, that was 23s. Day 24 was Game Over Man on Netflix, a Netflix original made by the guys who uh, created Workaholics. So those three guys have a Die Hard esque movie where terrorists take over a a building and uh they have to take them down even though they're just waiters or i guess technically they're housekeeping but um, yeah it, did you watch this i i watched it like i think it was last year i think yeah it's been out it's they, they'd had it out there for a while i just happened to yeah. now get around to it uh it was a nice little action comedy but it wasn't even much else i thought it was interesting all the like celebrity like guest cameos or i don't know if that's or, how you would say it or not but just like the people just showing up out of nowhere was interesting too like fred armison is in the movie and he has absolutely no lines like i was like what is going on with this movie (laughs) uh day 25 was another documentary it's the the american meme on netflix it is a documentary about people who are on instagram or vine or youtube and they're you know internet famous uh uh, the movie kind of focuses a lot on uh dj khaled um uh paris hilton britney furlon and a couple other people that i'm not too familiar with um but it just talks about how their lives have been changed you know for either better or worse depending on how you look at it uh because of their internet fame hmm it's a good documentary. I don't. I don't. It didn't make me feel any any different for any of the people that are in it. But it's a good documentary. That's int- that's a really. I feel like that's kind of the interesting thing about Netflix too. Is I feel like it. it like Netflix and the streaming services in general have finally given like uh, documentaries a true distribution platform. Like it used to be really difficult to make like a good document. Like we never saw this level of documentaries coming out like with a immediate. You know distribution platform and even like stand-up i feel like they've been really targeting like documentaries and stand-up specials yeah i think you're absolutely right um yeah you would have to more than likely you would have to go to uh certain theaters to watch uh documentaries and stuff like that i mean unless it was a big one like from michael moore but mm-hmm. now yeah you they, they it definitely has a home uh at netflix uh day 26 was polar mad Mick, mads mickelson's uh 
Dark Horse graphic novel adaptation film. Uh, this is a over-the-top, grindhouse-type movie um, where Mads, Mad Mickelson's plays this uh, assassin who is really, really, really good at his job. Uh, of course, what happens when you send a team of assassins after the top assassin? Well, he takes them all out. That's kind of what happens. Uh, it's it's an interesting movie. It's if you if you're into that kind of thing, give it a try. I feel like it's kind of like Smoking Aces. It does have a little bit of Smoking Aces, but I would say that it's less grounded than Smoking Aces, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Day twenty seven was the Titan on Netflix. Now I remember hearing about this movie. Never saw the trailer for it. It is. I thought it was actually super interesting, and I don't know why more people weren't talking about it. It's not maybe not the best movie, and it also has Sam Worthington, which people either go one way or the other with him at this point now. Um, but it's all about, you know, uh, sci- sci- it's a sci-fi movie where they're uh, changing a person's DNA so that he can survive in uh, alien environment. Like, it's, it's, it's really out there. So I thought it was pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, oh, okay. So then now, day twenty-eight, the fundamentals of caring. I stopped on this movie because of Paul Rudd. Never even heard of it. Uh, but the kid, one of the kid uh, actors in the movie, is this actor by the name of Craig Roberts, which I had recently watched him in a Amazon original show called Red Oaks. Red Oaks, which is all about this uh, country club where he works and he's trying to be. He, he's making money for the summer so that he can go be a uh, a director in the city kind of thing and uh, in in this he plays a person that's suffering from a degenerative disease so he can't walk he's confined to a wheelchair uh, Paul Rudd's character is overcoming his own tragedy in his life so he takes on a new uh, job uh, new career which is being a caretaker and uh it's his first job is is being the caretaker for this this guy who's confined to a wheelchair and man this movie was really good i was i did not know anything about it went in mm-hmm. just because of paul rudd and how much i like paul rudd and yeah if anybody it's it's got it's got the feels it's got the humor it's got uh a interesting road trip so give it a watch if you take my I opinion for any definitely on check that out yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, day 29 it must have been another Tuesday because I'm watching another classic uh, it was uh, uh, Empire Records oh actually this might not have been Tuesday because the reason I watched it is because a um, another podcast that's had me on as a guest a few times uh, let's rewatch if you like movies or if you like podcasts where they talk about older movies and they they reminisce about them you should give it a watch. They they watched uh, Empire Records, listening to their podcast, made me want to go watch it, so I went and found it on Netflix. It's there. 90s nostalgia to the max. Give it a watch. <laughs> uh, day 30 was Extinction, another Netflix original. This was Michael Pena uh, and Aliens Invade, and he has to protect his family and get them to a safe place movie went in a direction i was not expecting it to go i don't want to spoil it for anybody but wow i don't know why people did not like this movie 
I feel like that's kind of a common theme with a lot of films now that come out that like people are just like, oh, I hate this movie. And I'm like, but, but why? <laughs> and then the last movie I watched in January, Jan- uh, day 31, is I would say this mm, is going to be close to being my favorite movie of January that I watched for this challenge. Uh, it's called Brain on Fire. It was Chloe Moretz Grace or Chloe, Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah. Uh, movie um, based on a true story about this uh, lady who was falsely diagnosed with schizophrenia when when actuality she has another type of uh, brain disorder that was ends up being completely correctable and you know all the stuff that she went through to get to uh, the point where a doctor finally figured out what it was that was wrong with her and wow I think it was the most intense I had ever seen uh, Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz be. Um, I thought the some of the scenes were, you know, the people around her didn't know how to act because of how she was acting. It, it really struck as real to me. It, it mm-hmm. struck, you know, it came off it came off great. I remember hearing about this movie, but once again, didn't see a trailer for it. Didn't hear anybody talking about it whether or not they liked it or not i just I, I i watched it and i was blown away hmm i don't know that i've even really i don't think i've even really heard of that yeah yeah you should you should definitely give this one a watch i think you would enjoy it a lot i will definitely do that so then at the end of february we will we will go through it all again folks You'll hear about all the things that I, I'll talk about because I definitely want to talk about Velvet Buzzsaw. If you haven't watched that yet, you should watch it. It is fucked up. <laughs> well, that's a, so that's what we... Uh, so I was going to watch that, um, which it's ironic that I ended up watching uh, Annihilation, but I was going to watch that, and then I was like, well, that's probably a little too heavy for the time of night that it is, so I don't think I'm going to watch <laughs> wow. that. And then, and then I ended up, yeah, ended up watching Annihilation. I was like, well, you know, <laughs> really <laughs> rolled the dice and uh, ended up kind of in the same place. Yeah, no, I would say you came off uh, a little bit more heavy at that point. So uh, we'll talk about the Velvet Buzzsaw next time we get on the podcast then. Awesome, yeah. Uh, All right. If there's any of these movies you want to talk to me about, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. You can also find Richard on Twitter at... Uh, Ry Cohen at Ry Cohen, R-I-C-O-W-N. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Uh, you can also find Richard on his Twitch stream when he's playing. Uh, I'm still playing, uh, still working my way through Red Dead uh, Redemption. Probably going to be playing that, uh, or Red Dead Redemption 2, technically. Uh, probably going to be playing that for a while. It's a pretty uh, pretty substantial game. Uh, we did check out the beta for, uh, or the demo, I guess, for uh, Anthem this past Sunday. That was a pretty pretty fun little game. But uh, it's twitch.tv slash Rykoen and the number one. So R-I-C-O-W-N and the number one. There you go. Make sure to go check him out and subscribe uh you can follow subscribing costs money i mean you're more than welcome to subscribe but subscribing does cost money it gives you some different benefits but yeah if you just want to uh, hang out watch me for free you can uh, smash the follow button 
Yeah, I need to I need to learn more about this whole Twitch community stuff. I just It's okay cuz you subscribe on YouTube, which is kind of the exact same as following somebody on Twitch. Okay. Basically the same thing. Yeah, see, I think that's probably where I'm getting caught yeah. up. <laughs> but until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich show on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Giss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad, when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.